0: Hi everyone. Welcome. It is Wednesday evening and I am back with Michael and it is good to be with everyone. Um, Today we are going to continue to talk about Paul's first letter to his child in the faith Timothy and specifically in chapter 1 verses 1 through 20. Last time we spent a lot of time in basically the first eight verses, seven verses, and actually all the way down to 11. And today we're going to cover the rest of the chapter. There's a lot that's going on there. It's uh, pretty rich. And just um, as always, Michael, do you mind uh, praying for us and then reading verses
1: 12 through 20? Sure, yeah. All right, let's pray. Gracious Father, again, thank you uh, for who you are, Father. Thank you so much, uh, Father, for your, the riches of your mercy um, displayed to us through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that we, um, as we even look in the scripture like this, Father, the message of the gospel, the message of your Son, um, uh, the salvation through faith, which is a gift from you. Um, is clearly on display um, in all of its blazing glory, Father, that um, that we uh, would turn our hearts and the, our affections and, um, Father, everything we are in, in greater devotion and greater adoration and praise of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father. We thank you so much for that. I pray tonight that you uh, bless uh, our time together in your word, that, Father, it be edifying, that it would be A a joyful time as well. And uh, Father, that it would be building us up and encouraging us uh, to follow even more closely um, after our our Lord and Savior. So Father, we pray, we ask all of this in in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Michael. So do you mind reading verses 12
1: through 20? Sure. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read that. starting in verse 12, 1 Timothy um, 1 verse 12. I I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them ye may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme
0: amen so last week uh last week last monday actually a couple of days ago you had shared your story your testimony and some of the um what life was like apart from christ and this story is paul's testimony in a few verses and he tells his testimony quite often actually he tells it in the book of acts a few times um you know and So when you read Paul's account to this, what are your first thoughts of his own story?
1: Yeah, my first thoughts is um, uh, amazing grace. I mean, I think a lot of times when I think of Paul and I think of um, John Newton and um, his testimony, him, you know, being a a slave trader and, you know, just the the Mm -hmm. horrific things that he um, says that he did, you know, uh, against humanity. And, um, and then I think about Paul and him being an enemy of the early church, you know, and even meeting mm-hmm. people with zeal, um, going into their homes. And um, it seems like he'd be the last person that, that Christ would choose to save. And in many ways, I think of myself, too, um, for, because I, I, in my unbelief, you know, I was an enemy of God. I, I believe mm-hmm. he existed. Um, and I was an open enemy of his, I was actually, um, anti-Christ, you know, I was mm-hmm. him in, you know, when people would even try to tell me about him or, you know, I would, um, you know, become angry, it became, you know, become uh, on, on the verge of violent and, um, and wanting to, you know, really with so much anger and hatred that it was just, I'm amazed that God saved me. I really am. Mm-hmm you know and um but i feel there's a lot of similarities you know in in what paul did and although we're very different but i mean i really feel like um you know i think of just the amazing grace you know amazing mercy uh, and that god had on me you know and say, uh-huh, I think uh-huh. of the lady at that wash christ feet, you know and, uh, and um you know and he says too much is forgiven you know for those that are forgiven much love much You know, and um, Mm. I wonder if that's why he's You know, given me um, such an affection for him. You know, Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. it
1: it helps me to be merciful. Mm -hmm. I understand that. (laughs) So,
0: when you look at Paul and what he has basically claimed to do, he he says he was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. Do you, do you think he's exaggerating, or do you feel as though he really was that?
1: I feel he really was that. And in every true sense of each one of those words, um, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like a blasphemer, you know, and we know, I mean, I know from just going over the Matthew twelve thirty one and 32 passage, and mm-hmm. elsewhere, where it's, you know, we're in, in Mark, um, where Christ is talking about people that, that don't uh, see, well, they blaspheme against the Holy Spirit you know, mm-hmm. um, who, who brings this message and even through working through Christ and Christ performing his miracles and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, um, lifting the veil for everyone to see who Christ was in his personal ministry. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, and even through the, the work of the, you know, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, the early church mm-hmm. apostles, you know, and their work and their testifying in the word of God going forth and to reject that you know that that is to say that that's not god you know mm-hmm. to reject all of those things is to blaspheme against. Mm. you know it's actually to deny him in a, in a mm-hmm. great way even more so i think than people who who um, who would take curse you know who would use god's name in vain and yes because people look at that as like god taking you know as being a blasphemer right right more of a, this rejection and you know who Jesus Christ has revealed himself to be and mm-hmm. Paul definitely was that you know and um insolent I'm sure you know I mean with his words um you know becoming you know verbally abusive toward people I mean mm-hmm. you know, when uh, Stephen was being stoned and you know and you know and Stephen is saying like you know and and Paul Saul apparently was there holding the coats of those who were stoning him mm-hmm. and you know and it says as he As he raised his voice to heaven, it says, I see Christ standing, you know, and they just, uh, it says they gnashed with their teeth, you know, they, 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 they lashed out verbally in Mm -hmm. what they were hearing, I believe, they rejected it so much, but also with uh, this uh, vitriol and hatred toward that message, you know, that, that uh, Stephen was saying as he was being stoned, you know, and so I think, you know, there's that way. Um, the insolence and, you know, blasphemer. Um, So definitely in every single way, Paul was that, you know, to a, to a large degree, you know, and, um, and I think that's, you know, he saw himself that way, you know, as, as this, and even further, I think where he, he doesn't mention it here, but it says that he dragged people out of their homes, you know, and, and um, you know, and participated in the stonings and, maybe even the death of, of many Christians, but it, it doesn't say here.
0: I uh, was thinking about some of the passages. Yes, for example, Acts 8.3, where you described, um, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. According to Acts two nine one, he was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, he was he traveled to Damascus, so that's not even in Israel to drag people to, as prisoners. Right. In Acts twenty six eleven he says in addition to his own blasphemy, he tried to force Christians to commit blasphemy. So it wasn't just that he was a blasphemer, but he tried to. And I'm sure we're missing out on a lot of the things that he did. Yeah, you know he's not specific about all these things. So he is. I really like by Phil Riken. He's currently the uh, president of Wheaton College, but he used to be the pastor of a 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And he says Christianity is the only religion in the world that is for bad people. Yeah. And Saul was a bad person. Yeah. He says he was he would not be welcomed in many churches today.
1: Yeah, I, I think about that too. I think about. You know, when you think about um, even some of the like former ISIS videos that have made their rounds, you know, with um, Christians being executed, and even the Boko Haram. Um, I wonder what it would be like. The closing hymn is hymn number five hundred and five. So, yeah that was, like was
0: that was, my, that was my Lord Jones preaching. So he just he just popped up. Okay, say. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry, keep
1: on going. No, um, you know, what would happen if somebody from like Boko Haram, you know, who had, you know, been mm. executing Christians and you know, in in Africa and suddenly, you know, Christ suddenly Christ had mercy upon them and saved them, you know, and um delivered them, you know. And uh, you know, what would it be like to even have the one of those sitting in a congregation, you know, uh, somebody from Boko Haram and yeah, I don't think it'd be very much different than having Paul in your church, you know, <laughs> or, or Paul drop in and, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. somebody like Paul, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'd be a year, Um as there was when Paul began, you know, when, when Christ saved Paul himself, you know, what, what happened with him, so, yeah. But definitely a, um, definitely something, you know, Paul, you know, have a lot you know, a reason to to carry around guilt. Mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk about that later, you know, this idea of guilt and having a good conscience, you know, and, um, you know, and and what that, what, why is that so important? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Sorry, Michael, we're having some technical difficulties. Everyone's saying that my voice is too loud and your voice is too soft.
1: Okay. Do I need to get closer?
0: (laughs) You might need to get closer and I might need to get, Lesser, <laughs> I don't know, right. I, I'll get yeah, closer. okay, yeah, I'll, I'll and um, so, so odd, I'm like, something's wrong with my, uh, my sound, because I'm, I'm actually, sorry everyone, but I'm almost at the bottom of my volume, And I don't know why it should be getting that loud. That's very strange. Uh, Oh, maybe this is better. I hope this is better for everybody.
1: Oh yeah, that's a lot softer. Is that better? Yeah, it definitely got softer on my end.
0: Okay, okay, I think I figured it out. Sorry, everybody. I don't know what happened. Something went really wrong there. (laughs) Um, If it's still bad, just let me know. So as we were saying, One thing is um, for Paul, uh, if we look at verse 12, it says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And here's the thing. Something that I was thinking about is that when like he's thanking the lord that he was appointed for his service and physically speaking Paul's service was very difficult he he did not have an easy life no you know what i mean yeah um we talked about this how it's easy to look at how we serve god and to and to to really not do what Paul's doing here, which is to complain about it more than being thankful for it. Right. Like he says, and I, here's the question that I have for me and for you and for everyone is, how often do we thank God that we get the opportunity to serve him?
1: Mm.
0: Really? Yeah. Um, because I think that's what Paul is doing. He's starting this. He's starting his testimony by saying, I don't deserve to be serving the Lord at all. And we think of serving the Lord as we're doing something for him, right? Right. But Paul is clearly saying, that's not the case. You're not, do not serve me because you think I need you to serve me. We get the privilege of serving him. And, And if we're not thankful for it, if we're not regularly thanking him for the opportunities for the, for ministry, for the opportunities to care, you know, we, we sort of tend to, like I said, complain about it, say, oh, why do I have to do this? It's so hard. It's funny because sometimes our kids, when you tell them to do something, a chore or something, or yeah, it's like, oh, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this. And we get so, as parents, you get so frustrated by that, right? You think, why can't you just do it with a glad heart? Yeah. What must we be like? Because first of all, the Lord knows our hearts. Right. We, We can't hide from him We can look happy on the outside, but if we're complaining in our hearts, he knows that. Yeah, he does. So I think for Paul to say, and and you know why I feel like he's able to be so thankful is because he remembers that he was saved by grace. I mean, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent, but I received mercy. If we forget we've been received mercy then we always feel entitled to think that, well, I get to do whatever I want. And God, you should be so thankful that you have someone like me to serve you. Whereas when we remember, oh yeah, I don't deserve, I deserve hell. I deserve full, the full wrath of God being placed upon me. But out of his mercy, He, and out of his grace, I've been saved. So therefore... I'm so thankful to serve you. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: No, absolutely. You know, I think, I think David had the same idea, you know, I think, um, I think about David when I hear that um, as well, this idea of mercy and, and grace and, um, you know, David was saying, you know, it's better to even be a doorkeeper, you know, to even to serve you as like, in the most servile way, you know, and and without any fan fairies, it's, it's a, it's a joyful thing to do when you recognize who the Lord is and who we are, you know, that we don't even deserve to be that, you know, in the mm-hmm. first place, and mm-hmm. let alone that he would, you know, let us serve him in any capacity, you know, it's a, it, it really is. I, yeah, I completely agree with Paul. I see okay. it. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. really is. I mean, it is that when we recognize that, and I, yeah, you know, I try to tell, teach my kids that too, a lot. You know, this idea of mercy, that they would be merciful to each other, and um, oftentimes I, in my, even in my own head, I often think it's like my idea of who God is, mm-hmm. you know, and and it, whether or not He's a God of mercy and grace toward me is often how I am toward others. You know, mm. I'm not believing that He is, you know, so merciful. And mm-hmm. spoke gracious to me every day then my i'm going to be treating people then like this God that's going to hold things over somebody's head that mm-hmm. isn't going to completely forgive them that isn't going to mm-hmm. show mercy that's going to be quick to want to condemn mm-hmm. or to you know and to to punish or to mm-hmm. bring some type of you know anger or mm-hmm. if I believe god's that way toward me then in a sense that's how i i got so when i when i even in dealing with you know my kids in the past and in discussions i've I try to help them to see that you know because when when we see and we understand our own guilt before him you Mm -hmm. know our own you know what we what it is that we really deserve and yet this is how he's treating me you know when we see that then you know mercy that same mercy and grace should flow from us toward other people as well Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. um so yeah it definitely Mm -hmm. you know but Mm -hmm. completely undeserved you know Mm -hmm.
0: yeah Yes. Yeah. So, you know, he keeps on saying, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I know we go back to this. So this idea that Paul is saying, I am the foremost, Right. And I think a lot of people, when they read and consider Paul, we tend to think of Paul as how can Paul be the worst? You know, he, he is one of the apostles, but he, don't you think he's not just saying that? I mean, it's really the, the first of all, it's, it's very personal for him. This is something that he believed in himself and it's because he knew at the core, the depth of his sin. One of the greatest struggles that we have is that we perhaps are not as aware of how deep sin is. Yeah. How deep do you think sin is? How how low does it go into the heart of a person?
1: It's so deep. I mean, I think it, uh, you know, it, um, its roots would hold you down and drown you, you know, mm-hmm. in sin and death, if it could, you know, if, if it wasn't for the power of God, you know, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it really does go deep, you know, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's either you're, you know, the Bible says <clears throat> that we are dead mm-hmm. in our trespasses and sin. It's mm-hmm. that deep you know, uh-huh. that we are prisoners enslaved, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and in the uh, chains that we can't break ourselves, you know, it's that deep. And being, being an addict myself at times, you know, and that was one of the most revealing things about my own sin, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to get a drink. It was that, you know, it's just that I could not break free. You know, I could not stop myself. And I, you know, and if, if anyone, like you've said before, Anyone that tries to say, I'm going to, I'm not going to sin this whole day. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to, you know, and just see how long, you know, we last a minute, an hour. You know, I mean, you know, we, we, it's futile, you know, we know that it is, and it's it, mm-hmm. that, that even after being made alive in Christ, the Bible still tells us that mm-hmm. we wrestle with this, you know, that mm-hmm. there is this mm-hmm. inner, inner struggle, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, and Paul talks about it, you know, in mm-hmm. Romans, you know, as, you know, the struggle um, and, you know, even putting on the new man, you know, and even John talks about it and says, you know, if we confess our sins, you know, mm-hmm. it con- you know, pointing out that we are going to continue with this. And even though we don't want to do it, but if we confess mm-hmm. them, he is faithful and just for Gila. So it's mm-hmm. that, it is this, this struggle and it it seems like it's a, uh, it won't let us go, but we're no longer slaves to sin you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, you know, as as believers, we are not, Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything that we could escape from ourselves, it Mm -hmm. completely wasn't, we Mm -hmm. were um, completely in bondage, completely Mm -hmm. in in darkness, we were completely um, captive by it, and even, I would say, dead, you know, that we, you know, there was nothing that I could do, even as a dead person, to save myself, I -hmm. needed somebody to come, you know, who wasn't, are dead themselves, the only live person around that could come and do not just CPR, but a heart transplant as well, you mm-hmm. know, and, and bring me to life. And mm-hmm. that's how bad it is. And Paul, mm-hmm. I'm sure he sees it the same way. But it, to call himself the chief, you know, the foremost of sinners, you know, the chief of sinners, you know, everyone knows how, how dark their own heart is and was. Every person knows, you know, Paul's testimony. You know, it it does look like, you know, he was, you know, uh, you know, a foremost enemy of Christ. I think Peter would maybe argue differently. I think Peter would, you know, would say that his denial of Christ, you know, even at that time, you know, on the cross, he would say, no, that's me. You know, Paul yeah. might have a debate about that. But, <laughs> Remember, they debated over who was
0: the greatest. Yeah, who was so, the greatest? <laughs> no, no, on
1: the other side of the cross <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, is like. Now it's like no, I'm a bigger sinner and but one thing that it does is when we're willing to to be truthful and admit that um you know that we you know to to people you know it it is it is something that helps in sharing the testimony you know I mean mm-hmm. I know on my block in my old street, you know there was my um when I would try to witness to people my neighbors and when God opened those doors, and they wanted to hear the gospel, and I would tell them, and they were like, they 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 would say, but, you know, God can't save me, I'm, you know, this, and I was like, oh, no, I, I start sharing my testimony, and I'd say, if he could save me, he can save you, you know, because I'm the worst sinner I know, you know, I mean, it's like, I, you know, because I know my sin, you mm-hmm. know, the ins and outs of it, the things I struggle with, and, you know, and so, you know, those things I'm certain of, and So
0: So why do you think then there's such an appeal for the exact opposite? So Paul is basically here confessing, this is how low I am. And yet the sense of positivism um, that your sin is not so bad, you're not so bad, you know, that uh, that's sort of pervasive in some parts of the church and its teachings, Mm -hmm. sort of the prosperity positivistic gospel of saying the good news is that you know everything will be okay and you can be wealthy too. And and again, it's not to talk about wealth as inherently evil, but there's no promise from the Lord that that riches and health is something that we are are definitively going to get based on our our faith, right? right? And yet Paul doesn't seem to be talking about that at all in a passage like this. How do you feel like a passage like this Countermands that very idea
1: yeah, I think it brings to to truth is that you know if Paul the apostle you know is is saying this you know and and confessing this, you know and and he even by saying this, he wants to show that you know I think his purpose in showing this is the same things like you know you who are a sinner. You can be saved too, you know. And the idea isn't here to sit there and say, "Oh, I don't need sin," you know, because if anyone says they have no sin, they're mm-hmm. a liar, you know. And and that's mm-hmm. what so. The foremost issue here is actually dealing with sin, you know, dealing with you know people's sin. And I think for people to sit there and say they haven't done that, or they have no, um, you know, Paul, I'm not as bad as you, you know. So God just needs to sprinkle a little bit of grace on here, and I'll be mm-hmm. well done, you know. I mean that kind of mm-hmm. idea. It's like, no, this, it's, it completely goes against that. And it goes against prosperity gospel as, as well. Because if Paul, being such a recipient of grace, and you look at what his life was like, um, was com- it was not one of wealth. None of the apostles had this flashy you know, prosperity um, life, you know, um, your best life. No, their best life was in Christ. Their best life was pursuing Christ and making disciples and and, you know, and actually giving up their the rights to to so many different things so the right to live you know this american dream even you know this idea mm-hmm. that, that somehow we deserve that and that's what is mm-hmm. most important and even and it's so easy even for christian churches you know to to have that idea of the american mm-hmm. dream you know still be uh-huh. so rooted in in christianity you know mm-hmm. and it's like and it's, even my own heart it's like you know i yeah i want a house in the country and all, you know, I mean, all of these, you know, beautiful things, yes. landscape, and, you know, a place where I can bow hunt on my own property. And, <laughs> I mean, all, I mean, it, it would be great, but I know that, you know, um, and I know I say this a lot is that time is short, and for me, and I look at it, and I say, you know, I have what, how many years left? If if, if God is merciful, you know, that I can, you know, live 25 more years. I'm 51. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. feel, some, I mean, I feel sometimes like, mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't, but in fifty one, I think he returns. I mean, it's like time is short, mm. and mm. it's like, and I, you know, the American dream can, you know, is one of those things I think which can be, a thing that can hold back, you know, what this, you know, what a life of for Christ could look like. Yes. yes. It, and it gets all mixed up in that, and yeah. And when Paul is saying this, he's like saying, you know, it's like we, you know, it's this. I think, and all the whole message here is. To fight against it you know Mm
0: -hmm. it is a good fight we'll talk about that and um it so he to just to move forward but that's excellent and as we move forward it's but i received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost jesus christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen you know, verse 17, which is often said as a benediction, mm-hmm. sometimes we say it even at the end of a church, at the end of our worship, but it almost seems out of place. Why is it not out of place? Oh, because it, Paul, I mean, it just seems so random, right? No, it's yeah. like ran, right in the middle, but why is it there? What do you think Paul's doing?
1: Paul is, I mean, it, it, it is a, a just a, a burst of praise and adoration. I think to God, I mean, because Paul, as he's writing this, I'm sure, <laughs> and he gets to this part, you know, where he's talking about, you know, that the mercy that God had on him, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, just the, the love that God poured out on his, through his own son, who he persecuted, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, he recognizes all of those things, and at the, at that bottom point, God lifts up Paul, and, mm. and brings him and says, you're not just this, you know, you're not going to be an outcast you're not going to be that paul is the one that teaches us about adoption you know and so paul understands that as well that he was mm-hmm. adopted and brought mm-hmm. into the family of god himself you know i mean all of these i'm sure all of these aspects of of who he is in christ now you know come to play and it's like and it's an amazing place to be and and, mm-hmm. and he sees it and it's just this outpouring of praise and adoration mm-hmm. to god you know and for mm-hmm who God is. And, um, yeah. And it's like, and, you know, he sees that, you know, he sees yeah. the, the part of God's perfect patience with Paul is all of that. I mean, you, you can go to Ephesians chapter one, you know, and that uh-huh. step-by-step progress, yes. you know, in Ephesians chapter one, you know, of being, you know, predestined to be, you know, put in Christ, to be adopted in Christ, to be made heirs of Christ, to be, you know, all of these things that God did and acted upon. Paul, you know, it's like it's all coming to a boiling point, and mm-hmm. then all kind of explodes, just like you did in Ephesians. You know, with that, mm-hmm. like, that adoration, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it, it manifests itself here.
0: Mm-hmm. So. so, you know, Michael, you shared your story. I mean, in many ways, obviously, you didn't do the things that Paul did. As much as you said, I was angry, even if someone talked about Jesus but you're not going around literally bringing people to their death, you know, because they believe in Jesus, or you're not trying to like imprison people because they believe in Jesus. Paul did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anyone outside of really the worst persecutors of the church? There are very few people who have done what Paul has done.
1: Yeah.
0: You could see why he would burst forth into praise. Yeah. But Paul's life was certainly not an easy one. Like I said, he was shipwrecked. He was stoned left for dead. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. Um, probably at the very end of his life, he was beheaded for, and, you know, really was martyred for the sake of Christ. And as someone who, you know, you've had your own share of trials, challenges, um, as much as maybe you did not maybe experience what Paul did, Lord willing, you don't lose your head at the end of your life, but, uh, you've had, you've had your struggles, you've had like real trials. How can you have praise? And I've heard you actually, even in the midst of real anguish, to still fight for praise. How can you have praise? And I I guess I'm asking this on behalf of everyone who perhaps either has had struggles or trials or tragedies or pains and sorrows. And, um, And even for people who maybe that's to come, right? We don't know. Right. What the future holds. I mean, given especially where things are at now, who knows, right? So how do you still burst out with praise in the midst of not an easy life?
1: Yeah. It's, I, I, the only reason I, the only thing I can think of is that he holds me. You know, he keeps me. And no other reason. You know, it's just he holds me and he shows me who he is, you know. There's been so many times, you know. I told Angie this, where um, even as foster parents, you know. I mean, I know when Valerie passed away, I didn't respond the right way, but after that, you know, we've gone to her graveside many times, and uh, he's taught me thankfulness, you know, mm-hmm. to be thankful for, for mm-hmm. the sovereign plan, you know, because I mm-hmm. we would sit there at her graveside, and, it, and if people think it's odd. They'll like, take pictures with my kids around the gravesite, you know, but me, it reminds me of the other side that he brought Mm -hmm. me. And it's hard, you know, it really is hard, Mm -hmm. but he is faithful. You know, he is good Mm -hmm. at his core. He is so good. And he, Mm -hmm. um, when we lost uh, Chloe one time, um, so hard when she went, she, you know, she was a foster child of ours and she had to go back to her family and, at my, it, it, during that time, you know, we had her for almost a year.
0: Yes. And this is before you had Benny. So yeah, really, and you really thought she was going to be, yeah. Uh, the child that you were going to adopt.
1: We thought, yeah, she was going to be an adoptive child, but you know, the Lord didn't see it that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, and our, our, we have lost, another, we, there was another little girl that had come that we grew attached to as well, prior to mm-hmm. Chloe. And even in, during that time. I told Angie, I, said, I don't know if I could do this again, you know, and then, yeah. Uh, and then in the, then again with Chloe, you know, then she had to go, you know, and then in, in the middle of all that, you know, I was, um, I remember, I think I was in Sophia's room and, uh, and I was praying and then I was like, God, why, you know, why does this have to happen? You know, and mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, bringing my lament to God. And I mm-hmm. really felt, you know, like God said, you know, when he says from Scripture, there's nothing yes. new, nothing out of yeah. the ordinary. But oh no, said, yes, but he, he
0: pressed it in your heart.
1: Yeah, my grace is sufficient mm-hmm. for you. You know, and and then I felt like as well, like you can suffer of mm-hmm. me. You know, that mm-hmm. you are gonna get. I will get you through this. You know, I got mm-hmm. you through it before, and I'll get you through it again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when Caleb happens, you know, it's the same you know, God sustained me, you know, it was God in that moment, you know, when I walked up the walkway at Caleb's house, you know, it's God in that moment, I'm sorry for getting emotional, but no, no, God in that moment, who, Mm -hmm. who just flooded my mind with scripture of who he is, Mm. you know, they're telling me, you know, that Caleb passed, but God was, he was there, you know, and then you show up, and Dan showed up, and you know, surrounded by saints, you know, so not God was there with me, and then you know but he was flooding my the spirit was flooding my head with scripture, and then, you know even as the, the police was t- trying to get me to sit down and but it was just like mm-hmm. you know I'm the resurrection and the life you know mm-hmm. just so many things you know mm. and um I'll never leave you and but he was so good and that's why I can praise because I know he's real mm-hmm. and he works. And it, I mean, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine this stuff up on my own. I mean, mm-hmm. God was there working through his word. And that's why mm-hmm. I think us knowing God's word is so great. Yes. He reveals himself to us through it. He yes. glorifies himself. He, he causes, even as the best we can see, Christ on this side of eternity, he causes mm-hmm. it to me. he, you know, off the pages for me, mm-hmm. he just, you know, and that's why I love God's word. I mean, mm-hmm. I open it up and I see Christ. I see him, you know, in my discipleship group. When mm. I'm in with Mark, we see mm. Christ just glorified, you know, calling mm. people to salvation, healing and mm. being compassionate and merciful. And it's like, and he's that way with me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I teach tell my kids, you know, Psalm 23, you know, he's the good shepherd. And if he's this way, you know, mm-hmm. when we're in the valley, of the shadow of death, if he's this way, when we're surrounded by enemies, he's preparing <laughs> a table for us. And if it's this way, then surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, you know, and I will dwell in this house forever. And that's why it's because he's faithful. It's not because of me, but he is. <laughs> good mm-hmm. He is sustaining He's strong, stronger than I, I am. I can't hold on in the storm, but he holds on to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is what's so good. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes us it's like a child. You we can't. If you were a parent and you walked down in a hurricane, you know, I wouldn't expect my child to hang on to me, but I'd wrapping be mm-hmm. my arms around my child and and I'm saying I'm not going to let you go. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what God does to us in the storm. We can't hold on. We're children. Mm-hmm. You know, but he will never let us go. And that's what mm-hmm. he says. John chapter 10, you know, he says, uh-huh. Jesus says, you know, you're my father's hand. Uh-huh. And no one's going to get you out of that. Not even yourself. You know, once uh-huh. you belong to me, I'm not going to let you go. Because if it was up to me to keep myself, I couldn't do it. And I think Paul realized that. Paul says it, you know, that we have the security in Christ, you know, and it's all in him. And that's why that preposition, these words are so important in Christ. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, because he's not going to let us go. Uh-huh. You know, and that uh-huh. is what keeps me. That uh-huh. is... What, you know, through all of these things. And if it were to happen again, I know I can trust him. You know, mm-hmm. I know he's not gonna leave me. He's not gonna forsake me. And he was with Caleb. You know, he mm-hmm. even the assurance that he brought me about of things with Caleb, you know, through the hardest times, you know, of cleaning Caleb's apartment and you know, doing things like that and finding evidences of different things, you know, in, in Caleb's room, you know, that, that mm-hmm. kind of laid out of what happened to Caleb. Mm-hmm. You know exactly clues, and then with the, the autopsy report, and it's like it. He he showed so much mercy in on all. Mm,
0: of that. Well, Michael, one thing I know is that God's word. Exactly what you said is that it is inside you, and because of that, not only did it help you, it's obviously evident in just how you even share. You know, so thank you for that. Oh. But that's exactly. I feel as though that's exactly. Your answer is Paul's answer, essentially, in verses 18 through 20. So we're going to go to this last part, because in many ways, he's, he goes to this, and then he, he gives this charge, you know, this, uh, this call to Timothy. And he says, okay, Timothy, you've heard my story. You know this worship that belongs to God alone. And here's what I'm calling you to. And he says, again, he reinforces He's a son. He's a child in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. You know, that probably are dealing. And amazingly, um, he had two people really in his life because his father was a non-believer. He was not. He was Greek. He wasn't even Jewish. And he probably was not a believer. We don't know exactly after him. Maybe who knows? Maybe he did turn to the Lord. But we do know his mother turned to Christ and his grandmother uh, Eunice and Lois, right? They prayed for Timothy. Now I want to just stop there for a second and say, because and, I think, in many ways, Paul is referencing that to some extent. The significance of a uh, the legacy of a parent, especially a mom, praying for their son, yeah, for their child. I'm not saying fathers can't pray for their child. I'm not, but there is something about mothers praying for children. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I mean, absolutely. did your mom pray for you?
1: She did. You know, there was. Did
0: she about, intercede uh, even in your most broken times?
1: Yes, she was, and she tells me that even now. She's like, you know, she would say, you know, when I see her, we get started talking about the mm-hmm. Lord, and she's like, oh, how I prayed for you, you know. She says all those times she would, you know, come home and there was this, you know, beer bottles and alcohol everywhere in our home, and because of me, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. she said that she would just be so broken for me and praying for mm-hmm. me, you know, that and that that you know the Lord would take hold on me and and mm-hmm. um, and then I think even when I did get, I mean, I was so far gone that yeah. even even when I did get, when the Lord finally did, you know, but she was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise her but in a good i mean it was a good surprise but you know but boy did she pray and i know yes you know not just her but i know my grandmother would also yeah. pray, you know because my grandmother mm. and my and, and my aunt bertha who my grandmother mm. just turned 100 um, wow on monday oh, she's still
0: living that's amazing
1: living. we did a zoom thing for her and wow
0: Bella.
1: and then my aunt my her sister we call her aunt bertha you know, is, is alive as well. They're, they look just alike. And I think they're separated just by a couple of years.
0: Oh my.
1: And, um, but they would pray, you know, um, and Uh I know they prayed for me too, you know? Mm. uh, So there was this, there was a lot of people praying for me. You, you, my uncle Ron would pray for me. And Uh. he's one of the ones that would try to come and talk to me, even after my daughter had passed, Valerie had passed away. Mm -hmm. And you know, made mm. me angry, and you know, <laughs> we were closing the door on him a couple of times, and ah, uh, yeah. So it was just a, uh, yeah. I'm, but
0: that's that's amazing. But my mom yes.
1: was for me a lot, you know. And
0: uh, yes, you know, I really want to urge, especially a lot of, um obviously, fathers. They have a very, they have an important role. Mothers have a very important role, and I would say one real way that you can make a difference in the lives of your children is to not cease praying, to continue to pray. And I know that, and don't give up. Yeah. Pray without ceasing, because even if they're really wayward, don't in your heart say, I give up. That's not prayer. It won't make a difference. I yeah. think there are, uh, like, I know my mom prayed for me through a lot of trials. I was not a I, I'll be. I'll put it to you this way, Michael. I wouldn't want myself as a son.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> would you want yourself as a son?
1: No, I would not. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, my kids,
0: I look at them and I'm like, "Oh man, they're so good." I mean, I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, seriously, I'm telling you, I would not want myself as a son. And but my mother prayed, prayed, prayed for me. She still does, and I really do believe that. The lord heard her now i mean obviously like prayer is has such an important value of sort of not being what jesus said knocking on that door you know and saying open up you know please give me some bread give me some bread right so yeah
1: definitely i think it is it's one of those things too and god wants to do it you know he you know the bible says that he's not willing that any should perish that but that all Mm -hmm. with repentance so we're praying Mm -hmm. In line with His will already, mm, when we, do mm. children, when we do pray for our children, we do pray for those in our family, you know, to come to mm. Christ, and our neighbors, and you know, it, it's mm. you know, it's already in line with His will. But you know, and I think it's it, you know, it's something He wants to do, but mm-hmm. you know, we want it, you know, and I want mm. it. I, mm. I want them to know the joy that I have in Christ, you know. Yes. To have it and own it themselves, you know. And yes. I was so blessed because I felt like. Caleb had that, you know, I think Mm. when, you know, he, he had his own church life and it wasn't just this one where he was just, you know, like just going on, but he was seeking out relationships, seeking out Mm. opportunities and discipleship and, you know, friendships and, Mm. you know, with, with, you know, godly people Mm -hmm. and, and really pursuing, he had his own pursuit of Mm Christ and Mm -hmm. manifesting that faith,
0: you know, amen. Michael, so we, you know, you everything you shared about what you were going through, I mean, that's waging the good warfare, uh, according to verse um, eighteen, you know, and I have to say, I'm, um, you know, I, I had shared that I'm going, I'm planning on preaching a series on spiritual warfare because I really believe that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the stark age. He wrote that to the church in Ephesus, which is where Timothy's at, right? Right, right. And um, this is, there is a, we we are in a spiritual war and Satan is cunning. He is sly. He is vile. He is, I was, uh, he, he comes as an angel of light sometimes. I was listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones about this. and He was talking about how, you know, Satan can come like a roaring lion, prowling and ready to pounce. And sometimes he's very nice. He's very kind. He looks great. He, he's, he comes with soft voices and, and, uh, is very, very, like really nice, really, really nice. You know, the neighbor who is so, they are so moral. Yeah. We, we know a lot of people, there are a lot of religions that have Moral people who they're the underlying behind that is ultimately satanic, you know, and yeah. and so it really is a spiritual war. And the only way to fight that is to have your conscience sprinkled with God's word. I mean, you you shared, I mean it says holding faith and a good conscience, and you don't get a good conscience. Apart from God's word, because you need do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you're able to test and approve what God's will is. Right, yeah. and all scriptures God breathes, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training righteousness. Right, Paul tells Timothy in Second Timothy, same right. thing. So, and I think you said it so well. You expressed it so well, which is how important it is to actually know God's word and not just read it, but understand it, take it in. Um, I, I Psalm 119, 9 through 11 is so important. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Mm-hmm. Hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And without doing that, we won't be able to fight. We cannot stand. We will be struck down. So I really appreciated how you shared how critical God's word was during the time you probably needed it the most, because what would, how could, how could you have imagined you would have responded if you didn't have God's word in those circumstances?
1: Oh, horribly. You know, I, I, I remember how I responded before. And, um, you know, in what, in, when. Before you knew Christ, you mean? Yeah, prior to be, being a Christian, you know. Uh-huh. And, and um, you know, and I, and that's, it would have been horrible, you know. And even as a believer, I think if we're not anchored in God's Word, if we're not rooted in there, if we're not, um, if it doesn't have this a primary place in our in our minds and in our hearts, then we are going to be persuaded to trust our emotions, trust Mm -hmm. feelings more than truth, you know, Mm -hmm. in those times. And and the truth is, I mean, yeah, man, boy, that was it was painful, you know, anguish, Mm -hmm. um, soul crushing pain you know, um, mm-hmm. in the worst way. And, um, and everything is telling me, uh, even in those times, you know, in the, in the other times, I'm, I'm, I'm okay sharing this too. And I know I shared it before when Chloe left, you know, was probably one of the, the scariest times for me because the pain was great. Mm-hmm. And in the past, the only time I've experienced that before was, you know, prior to becoming a Christian and, and, with um. the and at that time, mm-hmm. you know, I would turn to drugs, you know? Mm. and turn to other things rather than actually uh, right. not even God, you know, yes yes think, oh, here's, you know here it is, this hurts a lot i don 't know what to do with this, you know, yes, do something with it, but we have to bring it in. but, but if we don't do that' yes. it, a place where we even know to do that, what are we going to turn to we 're going to turn to something and and not yes. it just happen in in with with tragedy. it happens when we you know we have a bad day at work or if we have you know, if things aren't right in our marriage or, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, I had, you know, I'm feeling anxious about this. Let me go. I'm going to go buy something because it's going to make me feel mm-hmm. better. Yes, so yes, is, you know, yes, you know, yes. These things that we can yeah. turn to. But, yes. it, you know, and it's like, in, in a, and there's other false teachings out there about things that we can believe too. Mm-hmm. ourselves and mm-hmm. let them take root. And, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. why we actually, it's, have that conscience mm. God, you know, to say, God, mm-hmm. you, I know you are cleansed me of my sin. I, there, I, mm-hmm. I don't, even though I want to carry guilt, I'm not going to carry it. But mm-hmm. God, help me through this. Mm-hmm. I need, I need clarity. I need You, you know, and to turn to Him in those times. You know, it's like it's, is really what we need to do. But this, I think, you know, these obviously, he's talking about people here that have s veered off. Yeah. The
0: world yes on one one thing to add though is that um i i think uh a couple of things is during um COVID 19 during the shelter in place something like 40 i think it's something along the lines of alcohol consumption has increased 46 percent wow and then um you know it's interesting how the two essential services liquor stores can stay open and marijuana dispensaries oh yeah yeah because the answer to dealing with loneliness struggles being stuck in your home it's not you know for the world it's not christ it's you have to dull your senses through alcohol you have to get high um maybe you have to just watch just netflix binge yeah non-stop yeah. because you want to get your mind off of it all because there's no other way to cope with it. Right. And it's a real tragedy when we think that that's ultimately the solution is to numb your conscience. So It's the opposite of this. It, you could see that when you reject this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And he, he talks about two people, Himenaeus and Alexander. And he, and he uh, says, whom I have handed over to Satan. Because the Jimenez and Alexander, to some extent, have decided, I don't want to have my conscience bothering me. And so they're going to do whatever it takes, whether it's numbing their conscience or put it, making their conscience so hard to God that they, they're doing things that are so horrific. For example, the only time he has handed anyone over to Satan is at 1 Corinthians 5, where a man was having a, a sexual relationship with his stepmother. Right. so an in, essentially an ancestral relationship, and his that that person's heart was so hard that he did he was trying to make the case to the church that there was nothing wrong with it
1: yeah that it was okay uh, yeah that it was okay
0: I mean that's how hard you can get is you can have an ancestral relationship and you don't even think there's any and you're going to actually argue that it's okay i had a um before I got to seminary, there was uh two things one was a, one professor. He was having an extramarital affair and he, he was eventually fired. But before he was fired, he went through a committee and he tried to exegetically prove that it was okay to have a, this marriage. He was so too, and he was actually a really great biblical scholar. So he was too smart for his own good. Mm-hmm. Second is that we had a, um, an ethics professor, he was a social ethics professor. And what happened is that while we were there, uh, this is when I was in seminary he actually got <laughs> caught by campus police cuz at night there was a, a tree that was blocking his view of his office to you could sort of see um, like the ocean and so he, at night he was caught cutting down the tree
1: why why was <laughs> it
0: because it would open his view oh. to the ocean
1: for his office um. he was a he was an
0: ethics professor
1: yeah uh, at night <laughs> at night oh, so
0: that's funny the point is that when you when your conscience is seared and you no longer are heart your conscience is hardened we and it happens to, it can happen to any of us
1: that's right yeah
0: the danger is that we we shipwreck our faith and if you know if you ever hear about a shipwreck i mean i've been reading books on world war Two. it's like uh Once a a ship, you know, runs aground, they're susceptible to be bombed, right, Right. to be destroyed and to be attacked. It's deadly. And what Paul's saying is we need to hand this person over to Satan. We need to allow them to, you know, even get to the point where they're excommunicated from the body so that they will see just how dark it is. And the hope is that they will come and turn and repent because they're in this place right now in the church body where they think oh it's totally fine to do this and they're leading other people astray so this is how dangerous it is like when we are unwilling to yield to to see our own sinfulness to see our need for Christ to see our worship because of Christ to see how important God's word is to fend off all the attacks that of the enemy if we don't do that this is what happens yeah. last thoughts because we're about almost yeah. about out of time
1: yeah, the Latin, I mean, the thing I get here is a shipwreck idea. And I can imagine a guy on the bow of a ship saying, rocks, get ahead, turn, you know? And it's like, and the captain's like, nah, I want to go, you know? Your consciences mm-hmm. are screaming, you know? They're a gift from God, and they're screaming, turn, mm-hmm. repent, go, don't go this way. But mm-hmm. we're like saying, ah, I'm not going to listen, you know? And, yeah. and it's, it's it's kind of like that. What, what God says in Romans 1. We exchange the truth of God a lie you know instead mm-hmm. of doing that we we believe what we want to believe we be, you know we we go this direction anyway and like mm-hmm. it, we just pile right into those rocks mm-hmm. you know, and that's what these guys mm-hmm. had done with their faith you know mm-hmm. by ignoring that you know in, instead of you know doing what you know instead of listening to god's word instead of using it rightfully and using the mm-hmm. law rightfully, they've twisted it and they turned and mm-hmm. you know veered off mm-hmm. course and and just wanting to allow this or that, and you know, making all these excuses for themselves, and that's mm. what they've done. And it's just yes. that, and it's sad, you know. When we do, you know, we can, like you said, we need to be very careful that we don't do the same thing. You know, what I mean, yeah. it's like that. We yeah. take heed, unless we also yes. stumble. You know, and yes. like, this is yes you know, for, for me. This is for you know my house, my home. You know, for yes. our church, for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know that we, right can't sit there and say oh, I've, I've reached a certain level of Christianity I'm okay for that you know it's like this mm-hmm. speaks to every person mm-hmm. you know, listening you know and that's why mm-hmm. it's critical that that Timothy you know um fight against this yes one it'll take a lot of people right running, you know and and we know yes. that what Paul talked about you know and, and mm-hmm. you know he talked about the wolves coming in you know, and, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know that's to the Ephesian church, actually, yeah, Ephesian church, yeah, in, in no. Acts chapter 20. Yeah. So. so one last thing is just as a final exhortation is that's why we need each other
1: that's right. to do that.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I need you to speak into me words of God's word of truth that sometimes, honestly, I don't want to hear. Because, but recognize for all of us that we are prone to be like Jimenaeus and Alexander. Because I've seen it happen to others, I can see it happening to myself, where you get into a mode where it's, oh, I think this, and I don't want to submit to God's word, and I don't want to hear from other people, and I'm not willing. And so your conscience becomes slowly hardened. Yeah, It's no longer a good conscience holding on to faith. It's a weakened conscience, or it's even a hardened conscience, or it's a, a blinded conscience that doesn't want to hold on to faith and the, the you're getting closer and closer to the rocks, you know, Man. and, and uh, pretty soon the crash happens and you don't even realize it. And yeah. it's scary. So we have each other. That's what the church is for. Yeah. That um, that's why Paul is telling this to Timothy. And I really think that's so important for us yeah. on that note. Um, thank you all for joining us. Yeah, so I kidding. hope, I hope it was a blessing. Thank you, Michael, for just sharing your heart. I think you have you exhibit Jesus to me. You exhibit the gospel to me and right. to so many of us. So I want to thank you for that. We're going to cover a new topic on Friday. It'll be our last one for the week. So everyone, have a great week and see you all next time. Bye-bye. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.